Conrad. Gee. Go blue. Go blue, Gee. We are, I've got my Michigan shirt on. We are, as of this recording, we are days away from the debut of the Big Ten football season. Can't wait. Um, I can't wait. Because the only thing that I've been watching recently are virtual legal conferences. And I suspect we're going to be doing virtual football as well, but at least they they will be in person. I'm missing these conferences. I'm missing the in-person stuff. So talk to me a little bit about Clio. Yeah, I know you I know you lurked through there and there were some big, big items that came out of that. Yeah, I mean, I gotta tell you, I think Clio is the game to beat in virtual legal conferences. They were the game to beat in in-person conferences, and wow, what a great job. Okay, so I, I do have to push back on that. I have a question. I heard mm-hmm. all sorts of stuff, including from mm-hmm. Bob Ambrosi, mm-hmm. about the absolute cluster they had in getting the technology working. And so it sounded like there was, a, like literally sounds like there was a lot of behind-the-scenes uh-ohs going on as they figured out the conference. Can you agree with Ambrosi or, or at least talk about the problems that they had? Yeah, the platform did have post some problems. You know, some of its user issues as well. Right. But to Clio's credit, they were able to quickly facilitate a live stream on YouTube and gave people a couple of their options. And then, you know, that was early on. And I think as the uh, conference went on, the platform got their act together. And so, um, you know, combination of things. I mean, look, I think some, yeah, I hear a lot of feedback like Zoom doesn't work. And it's like, really? Zoom doesn't work. Right? <laughs> well, but how many times do you get on a Zoom meeting and have trouble starting that conversation? I spent all day on Zoom, and I'm going to say one out of three of the Zoom calls does not start smoothly. Uh, wow, that's that seems high. That's not my experience, but um, I'm not you suggesting know. it's our fault. I'm suggesting right. it's our prospective clients. Fault. Sure, exactly. So that's the thing is you know it's the uh, a lot of its users, but um, you know I thought that that was uh, pretty. In the grand scheme of things, like people were frustrated early on. And, you know, look, with 4,500 attendees, right? 4,500 lawyer attendees, chances are there's going to be one or two people who are like, how do I turn my computer on? Right, right. Um, so I would suggest for all of you guys thinking about conferences right now, the, the key on this here, you can actually get to more great content than you used to be able to because you used to have to get in a plane and fly to Pilma or fly to AAJ or fly to Ayla or get in the car and go to your Pennsylvania State Bar in the middle of nowhere solo convention. And now now we can get this content. I suspect there is some level of virtual conference fatigue. Oh, for sure. I mean, you know, and again, to their credit, I think Clio did a nice job of giving some great conferency information, but, you know, they also had great entertainment too. So, you know, you were listening to music. They had, I think they had some uh, cooking classes. Anyway, they kept it really interesting. And, you know, look, I think the same thing we talk about within person, a lot of the quality of the conferences is driven by the attendees. And so, you know, Clio has done a really nice job of curating a culture and a community around the conference that, um, you know, it was, I think another Ambrosi quote that I know I retweeted talked about how it's well beyond a legal technology conference. It's a law right. practice conference. And um, yeah, like I said, I mean, I'm thoroughly impressed. Um, I think if I think folks should be engaging that community and, you know, there's there's other ones, you know, we have our modest conference that we're really proud of. Are we calling Which it the are, modest are we, conference? Modest we're conference. Not gonna, we're not going to pitch it here. I thought that's well, what the M stood for. You have to go look it up. Go look up Conrad's <laughs> conference. Um, Conrad's modest. We're not gonna. We're not gonna pitch it here. I, I heard great feedback from lawyer owner mom. 
That was awesome. Great event. Well done, Carolyn. And I'm glad that we were able to give away some of the tickets uh, that we we had through uh, the listenership to this podcast. That was great. Today, we're going to go over three things. We're going to talk about news very quickly, but part of the news ties directly into the Clio conference because Clio made a big announcement that if you don't know about, you're behind the times. Two, we're going to go into the by the numbers, specifically talking about a couple pieces of content from the Clio Trends Report. And I don't want to make this a complete Clio love fest. Um, so we're going to then move into our final section on rebrand that podcast, which is evolving into market that podcast. And when we do rebrand the podcast, we're going to talk about why we decided not to rebrand the podcast. And then we're going to talk about how Guy and I have talked about marketing this podcast with the fundamental marketing elements that you should be thinking about when you're marketing your law firm. And with that, I will plug in the turntable and hit the music. Money makes a and welcome to Lunch Hour Legal Marketing, teaching you how to promote, market, and make fat stacks for your legal practice here on Legal Talk Network. Welcome to Lunch Hour Legal Marketing. Before we get started, we would like to thank Alert Communications for sponsoring this episode. If any law firm is looking for call, intake, or retainer services available 24 7, 365, just call 866 827 5568. And also, LexisNexis Interaction, the leading client relationship management solution purpose-built for the way law firms engage with their clients. Learn more at interaction.com. Now, Guy, before, and I told you we had this really kind of clear agenda, I want to talk about interaction because this has started across my plate. And we so far have not really talked about any of these sponsors directly. And so I want, I want, to, I want to just bring this out. Interaction is a product uh, out of LexisNexis, and we're working on a project um, kind of in a corporate law space to combine that with some of HubSpot's awesome CRM and marketing automation functionality. So when you're hearing about some of the sponsors to this podcast, know that like we're also backing this up. We're just not throwing anyone who throws money at us it's stuff that we're actually working with. So with that, I'm going to move to the news. All right, here's the news. Starting with last time we started with an acquisition in the legal tech space. Today, we're going to start with an acquisition in the legal tech space. In fact, two. Guy, what's going on in the M&A legal tech financial world? Well, lots of uh, chatter, lots of consolidation, and some deal making. Rocket Matter and TimeSolve picked up by private equity last month. Oh, no, last month was my case. I'm reading the notes here. This month is Rocket Matter and TimeSolve. So, congrats to Larry Port. Yes, awesome. I think we're going to continue to see this trend. You know, I hope we're probably going to be talking about this every week. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. There's, I mean, and why and does it matter to listeners? Why does it matter? I'm a lawyer. Who cares? I think for me, there's a couple things where this becomes really interesting. We talked about this last week, and maybe we should stop beating this horse. But 
you're going to see, especially with the fact that they're picking up things like rocket matter, you're going to see an increased level of sophistication in the way law firms are run. And that is a very oblique way of me saying you're going to see more MBAs mixing with the JDs because when you have PE, you introduce MBA to the JD for one of any more acronyms. We can throw that out. But um, it's going to get more efficient, more customer focused, and more technology running this more effectively. Cool. What else we got? Is it okay if I talk about Google Screened again? We'll talk about very quickly. <laughs> People are going to be like, these guys just talk about two things over and over again. <laughs> this part of your podcast brought to you by Google Screened because so many of you guys are spending money on it. So Google Screened, which we've talked about before, paper lead, top of the search results. If you're not there, you're out of the game. If you don't know about that, go Google it and yell at your agency. But they have moved since we last spoke, not surprisingly, to a bidding model. Guy, what does that mean from the economics in Google Screened? Uh, that means that you can now bid on uh, paper lead versus, what was it before? It was fixed it was, paper it was, lead? It was a fixed cost. Yeah. So you're going to see, guess what? That Supply means, demand. In theory, that means it's likely you're going to see those awesome fixed flat fee lead prices start to go up as people bid more on them. At least that's the theory. 100%. Now- you should panic if you're not part of this program, but you should also know that Google hasn't rolled this out for all practices in all places. And so if you're not seeing it, don't be surprised, but at least have a plan to be there when it does start showing up. I will leave it at that with the Google screened. This is not an endorsement, right? But just know about it and get ready for it. The other thing, Guy, and I was not here for this, but I, so I want to pick your brain at the Clio event. There were two unveilings. You want to talk about Clio for Clients? Sure. So I'll tell you what I know, which is not a ton, but Clio for Clients, new app from Clio that's going to allow lawyers to interface directly with clients. You know, Jack Newton talks a lot about becoming the operating system for legal. Uh, this seems to be that communication layer facilitating that contact between uh, lawyers and clients. And so that's going to be an exciting space. I think we're going to see a lot of movers in there. And so I think that's going to be a very interesting thing. You know, he, they're very focused on better experiences for both clients as well as lawyers. And I think that's a big part of that piece. And then the, the thing that also jumped out at me, which was really, really savvy, I think, is this Google My Business integration. So yes. you can uh, verify and I my hunches to be, start managing Google My Business right inside Clio Huge leg up. I don't know anybody else in legal that's doing that. I know no one else in legal is doing that. <laughs> I'll go that far to say that. And I got a, I, I did get a call from someone at Clio asking for an introduction to someone at Google not that long ago. I suspect it was to facilitate this exact partnership, and they moved on this really, really quickly. So really fascinating to see how fast Clio and Google uh, went on a first date. I would have so, always thought that we'd see something like this from Avo. Do you, well, you're, you know, was, you are yeah. you prodding me? So, for those of you who listened to the very first time Guy and I did a podcast, I introduced us working together with an anecdote where I told once told Guy that I was always the kid in the principal's room in high school and junior. And I high. was the kid that put you there. Guy was the kid who's, who said, Guy told me, he's like, I was the kid who was do whispering it, behind do you. Do it, do <laughs> it. All right, moving on. 
You want it? You want, okay. No, I'm going to take your bait because you threw it out oh, there. All right, good, great, perfect. And then, and then our listeners are going to be like, "What are you talking about?" So See, we, how I was prompted to you to do bait. that by pretending See, like I was moving on. I know, I know, it's so bad. You should have been a psychology major instead, or of a lawyer. lawyer. Yeah, maybe it's the same thing. Or a marketer. Okay. Oh, it's all in one. All the worst so, things. So the very, the very quick anecdote here on this is the reason Guy said Avo is. When Mark left, Mark Britton left Avo with the internet brands acquisition happened. You're now see Mark Britton at Clio with a big integration with Google. Put those two things together, right? I would have expected something like this coming out of Avo and it, they have just gone silent. I've heard nothing about Avo for ages. So moving on. Sorry about that. No problem. Uh, but you pushed me into it. Well, it brings us conveniently to my favorite segment, which is by the numbers. A lot of great numbers in the uh, Clio Legal Trends Report. Uh, What's your top pick? I've got one, but I want to know yours. Well, I don't know if it's my top one. I I tried to pick a couple that really jumped out at me. One is, and maybe not surprising, but I think... Uh, I'll be curious to get some listener feedback, but 56% of consumers prefer video conferencing or a phone call. Not terribly surprising. I, you know, I think that the inverse though is, is that lawyers have been slow to adopt video conferencing over a phone call. I think pandemic has accelerated some of that, but you know, people want to be able to see you. They, you know, they're dealing with very difficult issues and things in their life. They want a video conference. Hey, Guy, I want to ask a question on this. I'm going to riff on this number, and then yeah. I want to go to my favorite number that I got out of the Clio mm-hmm. uh, Trends Report. I, and I literally had this conversation this morning with an, with, with an attorney, established attorney, good reputation, blah, blah, blah. He was saying that not being able to meet with prospective clients in his office was really, really hard. He's a fixed fee criminal defense attorney, and he's expensive, right? He's basically saying that it's very difficult for someone to write a check over the phone. And so his conversion rate has just really taken a hit with this whole thing. The other thing that we talked about was the notion of getting their intake people working on video, doing intake via Zoom as quickly as possible. I'm just curious, and and I don't have any anecdotes, I don't have any experience or opinions on that, but like, have you worked with any firms that are moving to that intake into a video conference environment? Oh, I think a lot of firms are. You know, I think, you know, there's some, you can do some pre-screening. So like not every single form fill is a right. video intake, but you got qualified potential clients coming in. I think a lot of firms are moving to that model. Okay. I didn't catch a number in there, by the way. Oh, here's my number. Oh. This is a cover your ass number for me and you. So let's call this out for being self-serving. Mm-hmm. Clio Trends, personal injury down 20% with COVID. Okay, so the reason I say this is a CYA number here is if you guys are annoyed with your SEO vendor and your name's Alex or Jeff, just say, or maybe some other names too, but certainly if your name is Alex or Jeff, maybe be happy that you're flat and not down 20%, right? So I think my big picture here is COVID has had a massive impact on the legal industry. 
get your hands on the trends report, get an understanding of what's happened for your specific practice area and set your understanding and expectations for what marketing achieve and where they should be focused based on what's going on in the macro climate, because there are more exogenous variables messing around with how things are working in the marketing world than there really ever have been before. Ooh, exogenous. Exogenous. With that, let's take a quick break for our sponsors. As the largest legal-only call center in the U.S., Alert Communications helps law firms and legal marketing agencies with new client intake. Alert captures and responds to all leads 24-7, 365 as an extension of your firm in both English and Spanish. Alert uses proven intake methods, customizing responses as needed, which earns the trust of clients and improves client retention. To find out how Alert can help your law office, call 866-827-5568 or visit alertcommunications.com forward slash LTN. The right client relationship management solution enables and empowers firm growth. LexisNexis Interaction is designed specifically for law firms and embeds client intelligence at the heart of every interaction, providing valuable insights into client relationships so you can make strategic decisions about how to focus your resources to gain more business. Learn more and request your free demo at interaction.com slash lunch hour. As we do from time to time to express our gratitude for our dear listeners, we would like to spend a moment reading some of our recent reviews. First, from our friend Willie Peacock, hmm, hashtag LHLM brand. I like the straightforward name, the jingle. I love it, but I took it as intentionally over the top given the credibility of the hosts. Hashtag LHLM brand from Willie. Thank you, Willie. Thank you, Willie. We really appreciate that. Um, I think perhaps you gave us more credit than we deserve. (laughs) And for folks that have been following along, you know we've been on this journey about rap music. Here's a recent rap music shout out. Recently, I found your podcast and have only listened to it for a few episodes. I wanted to respond to the comment that rap music is not good or should be changed. I like it. At the end of the day, the reason why we are listening to your marketing tips is to make money at our firm. It's about 30 seconds. All the haters can deal with it. Keep up the good work. Thank you so much. And please do leave reviews for us both on Apple Podcasts or you can send them to hashtag LHLM or hashtag LHLM brand on Twitter. So Willie brings up the straightforward name. And we, we, we talk a little bit about the importance of name within a brand name for a law firm, but also within the podcast, the legal marketing part of that, both from an SEO as well as what is this about, very, very flagrantly clear. This is a great segue into our next segment, Rebrand That Podcast. I talked about how there's dissonance with the money focus on the theme song, and that that has come back a couple of times. And I do appreciate the compliment of giving the credibility of the host. And I think that's part of this for us. I'll continue to think on the jingle, but we have decided to keep the name Lunch Hour Legal Marketing. And we spent a lot of time, we, we, we talked to the people at Legal Talk Network. Um, we talked to each other a lot about this. And Guy, for me... This comes down to the value and importance of brand consistency, right? There's so much intrinsic value 
in a consistent brand that there has to be a very, very, very compelling reason to make that shift. Right. And so I, I will give my own anecdote on this. We changed the name from Mockingbird to Cockroach when COVID came out. And the theme on that was survival, right? We just want to help our firm survive COVID. We came up with an amazingly brilliant logo done by my designer that, that riffed off of the Mockingbird logo theme, blah, blah. It was fantastic. I was super, super psyched. It was such a nightmare because people had no idea why we were doing what we were doing. And while it was so intrinsically obvious to me, it was really confusing for people. And so yeah. just reinforced the value. Guy, did you like the cockroach pivot or did you think it was stupid? Um, I thought it was interesting. I mean, you know, the other side of the rebrand idea is, is that it might be a way to give your brand a little bit of a boost, right? And now, you know, you're kind of clever with it because it was like a temporary rebrand and you went back. Um, yeah, I think... Uh, tactically, because, you know, again, I want to keep as much tactic here as right. we can think about, because one of the things we talk about a lot in states that allow trade names and in the context of Google My Business is renaming your firm to include practice keywords. Yes. And, you know, sadly, it works for that purpose. But tactically, I think... So, hey, that, just before, yeah. I want to I be, like, let's be very specific. Right. Because you just, you just gave a really good tactic that I'm afraid there's at least four listeners who are like, what is he talking about? All four. So for you four, if, and and if you don't know what Guy's talking about, let's go into that. Guy, explain what you mean by changing your name to include keywords. What are we talking about here? So Google My Business, you search for things, Google My Business in the local pack and in the um, uh, knowledge panel for business listings. If you change your business name, it's got to be a real change. Can't just be you make up a new name. But if you actually register a new DBA, you register with the bar where trade names are allowed in your state, and you update your name in Google My Business, you can get a big bump out of having the keywords. So, you know, Conrad's uh, personal injury lawyers or Conrad's personal injury, Seattle personal injury law firm is going to do better than just Conrad by himself or by exactly. itself. And sometimes you don't even have to be a lawyer to have those keywords actually showing up. You could be, say, some dude in a house in North Carolina. Yeah, then lead gen. Selling those leads back to lawyers. Right. Sketchy. But anyway, I think another tactic, though, in this in the conversation about rebranding more generally is, is how do you even measure like brand equity, right? So if you're like, you know, some some firms we know, you open Google Search Console, which can measure and show you the impressions for searches on your name, or you op open a Google Ads account where you're in an account that's bidding on your name or your firm name, you can really see how regularly people are searching on that. And it's there's, from that standpoint, it's a good metric on, you know, if, if nobody's searching on your name and you don't have a ton of brand equity, you know, that goes in the column of like, maybe a rebrand isn't as, um, you're not going to lose as much. But if people are searching on your name, they know your name, your brand's established, you got to be very careful. You're going to do the rebrand because, you know, you can, it's like Conrad said, you can uh, dilute your brand, you can split the authority up, people get, you get brand confusion issues, especially if, you know, if you're historically, your name has just been your name and you share a name with other lawyers and you start messing around with that, you know, the market gets confused. And it's very easy to confuse computers, especially we get this a lot on the branding side. If, if you're at a firm, Smith, Jones and Murphy and Murphy leaves and starts his new firm, but Smith, Jones doesn't update their name on Yelp, et cetera, like this becomes a major problem. And then you have people calling Smith and Jones asking for Murphy. Sometimes Smith and Jones plays nice. Sometimes they take that client. I'm sure, Guy, you've gotten in the middle of these these fights. I've, I've been 
My agency has been threatened by lawyers for having gotten in the middle of these fights. So it's a mess. The branding mess that you guys have as lawyers is very, very real when you make these changes. And I think the big picture for me is brand consistency is very, very important. So no more rebrand that podcast. What we're talking about now is completely different. We want to talk about marketing that podcast. So Guy, when you and I talked about what do we need to do in order to market that podcast, Two things we talked about. One was don't assume just because we generate the best, most amazing, insightful, funny, engaging content that people are going to show up. That is a failing perspective that a lot of you have about SEO, about social media, and about podcasts. You have to market it. So two, we looked at the business metrics. Like, What are the real business metrics that we need to be thinking about? And we're going through this exercise on the podcast about marketing the podcast so you guys can think about the same framework for your own law firm. So Guy, when we think about marketing this podcast, what are the key numbers that we were talking about in terms of the business metrics? So uh, for us, we really started focusing on subscribers, downloads, there, there's the events that we can track on the actual podcast page. And so, you know, corollaries for law firms, obviously you want to track clients, obviously you want to track qualified leads. If you have a, if you're a lawyer listening and you have a podcast, you're thinking about uh, podcasting, I think this is the way to start evaluating that. Like, you know, if you can't translate subscribers and listeners into some business metric for your practice beyond, you know, awareness, I think you really got to consider if it's a uh, good use of your time, unless, you know, it's just a hobby. You just really like to talk about whatever it is you like to talk about. Always tie marketing metrics to some kind of business metric. Really, really important. And you mentioned tracking there. As we've talked about marketing this podcast, can you talk a little bit, Guy, about conversion tracking, Google Analytics, and what we are able to look at, and what, more importantly, what and where we aren't able to look? Right. So uh, the first place that I always look for any kind of search data is Google Search Console. So basically gives you a window into what's going on with your site in Google's eyes. And you can see things like impressions, positions, and clicks in organic results. And so we're looking for things like, and this is comes where the brand thing comes into play. So people are searching on legal podcasts, lunch hour legal marketing, in legal tech podcasts. And so we get a list of those queries that gives us a good sense to start to size the market up. Uh, the second thing we'd look at is Google Analytics. So we drive, uh, Legal Talk Network drives uh, traffic through the Legal Talk Network website where the podcast and the episodes actually have pages. And so we, with Google Analytics, you can track people that are landing on that page by source. And then when they get there, you can also track things like events like clicked the play button or clicked the download button or clicked in one of the uh, podcast subscribe links that are there. And so those are the things we really focused on, those events and those clicks uh, and ultimately subscribes. But you know, for folks that are familiar with podcasting, it's still kind of the wild west in terms of those real uh, valuable metrics, right? So like we drive some people to the Apple podcast link, it, pure opacity once they go there, black hole. We don't know what happens. So Gee. I want to ask a question just to define some terms because what you said is actually super important and I think most many lawyers are not getting this. You said you can track conversions by source, right? Yeah. Can you just go back and tell our lovely listeners what you mean when you say by source? Yeah, and I, and I want to get, you know, we can talk channel, source, and medium, but the and you can look up the actual details for these analytics, but I think for the purposes of our listeners, 
It's the where they're coming from. Are they coming from organic search? Are they coming from paid search? Are they coming from Facebook? And you can get, as you know, you can get really, really granular in that. Are they coming from your email newsletter? And so in conjunction, some of that stuff, Google Analytics will track automatically or automagically. They know source medium data, but if you want to get down to campaign and content and that kind of thing, you need to be looking into adding UTM parameters to your URLs. Um, which is a little bit more uh, complicated, but really not that complicated. Just search for like UTM campaign builder, free tool. It'll guide you through creating them and you add them to your URLs. And now you've got some real granular tracking to your pages. So the UTM parameters, basically, I'll, I'll use a very simple, I'll, in fact, we'll use an example. Maybe Guy and I want to know if a picture of Guy and Conrad does a great job at driving people to listen to the podcast, or maybe a picture of a, a spitting llama with headphones behind a volcano that's exploding, right? Which of those work? I actually don't care which. I'm curious, but I, I, I don't care which. What I wanna know is, did they work? And so with a UTM parameter, you can actually run both of those pieces of creative and track down to those actual downloads. Was it the llama or was it Guy and Conrad in, in, in a shirt and tie? Right. And that's where you start getting to a point where you're making really, really smart decisions. And I like to think of this as a very simplistic matrix. You have along one side of the matrix, you have a series of different creative llama, Guy and Conrad, maybe Bob Ambrosi talking about how eloquent we are. Right. That would, that yeah. would be the, the third one. And then you want to see where you can actually send that. So, Guy, what are some of the places we could market this? Right. We've got LinkedIn display facebook we could run pay-per-click on this we could run facebook we could email campaigns emails should we try instagram no yeah, absolutely okay we should try instagram why not um why not? you know and i, and I will, and here, wait wait hold on i want to i want to yeah. stop you on this yeah. why did you say why not because you're 100 correct and this is what i want lawyers to understand why did you say why not because we don't know the answer we don't know that it's not working exactly but, but i also know that there are lawyers there so i kind of cheated no, but you know lawyers are there. So like you, this all comes down to things that are basic business metrics that most of you guys aren't thinking about. So you get this matrix. We've got Instagram, Facebook, Display, PPC. You've got different, a wide array of different creatives. You build the matrix and you find which one A, converts best, and B, put a cost behind that conversion. So you may find something that, that converts extremely well but is insanely expensive. Right. Right. You may uh, conversely, you may advertise on Instagram, which is insanely cheap and it doesn't convert very well. But the cost per conversion is amazingly low. Now you're talking about business metrics. Right. And that's right. where we have to come from. Yeah. Cost per is all day long. And, uh, you know, the thing that I don't know, it's not really a secret, but I think it's an overlooked two things that are really overlooked. One is and this is surprising, but I think this is a kind of just a result of the transition to digital. But the traditional notions of creative makes so much of a difference. It's all basic marketing psychology stuff. But now with the internet, you can run these tests at high volume, high speed. You know, you've got to have enough data there to actually get a statistically significant result. But wow, the creative makes a difference. I mean, it's not just pulling bids and optimizing landing pages. The creative and the messaging behind it really, really makes a big difference. And the second thing, and I think you alluded to this, is how well, how much better integrated campaigns work. So you earn a click from Facebook and then you retarget. 
uh, and you turn that one click into, or then you turn it into an email subscriber and you turn that email subscriber into something else, uh, that lowers your cost per. And so I'm going to riff on this point and we're going to, we're going to wrap up with this advanced concept, right? And, and Guy just introduced you to this. It's not a surprise. You guys all know this, but modeling this becomes very difficult. The ability, let me, let me back up. Most marketing mindsets, most of the reporting, most of the software out there to talk about how well your marketing is doing works on an attribution model that pretty much you looks like one of three things. First touch or last touch attribution or a more complicated model. Guy, can you tell us what first touch and last touch attribution are? And then we're going to talk about why it's a complete waste of time. <laughs> so you're just, just trying to decide who gets credit for the conversion. Do you get credit to the channel or campaign that was the first interaction with the uh, eventual converter? Or do you say, no, I'm giving it to the, the last. And then there, there's a bunch of in-between ones as well. But yeah, I, I, I think there are some contexts that uh, attribution does make a, a big difference. But typically, you know, especially if you're talking about like uh, direct to consumer, direct response, you're literally ad impression, click conversion. So anyway, uh, I don't know. Do you, were you trying to, I don't know if no, you're no. trying to goad me into something more than that. No, no, no. I mean, what you just described is exactly what I was not goad. You're the goader. <laughs> I, you're the exogenous. We've already established that you, you are the goad person. No, my, my point was exactly what you just went through. There's different models, right? You can have the first touch model. You can have the last touch model. There's a 40-20-40 model where the first touch gets 40% of the value of the, of the conversion. The last gets 40. Everything in the middle split between 20. When you have a, and especially in a longer purchase cycle, right? So if you're doing immigration, family, for example, where it's not like, oh, I need the thing. I'm going to buy the thing right now and you have all these touches, and you have marketing automation, and you have a drip campaign, and you have retargeting, and you have billboards, and you have pay-per-click, it's very difficult. Put it this way, it's impossible to generate an accurate model because they're models. And so I have really evolved my thinking on this to thinking about within the system, you need the system to work really well, any of these individual channels, but across the board, you are looking at and across the board cost per that becomes important and driving that down or maximizing that, or maximizing what you get out of that becomes the key, right? It's hard. This is really, this is not linear straight. This is chestnut checkers, three-dimensional chestnut checkers, right? Uh, for want of overusing a very popular phrase right now, but it's hard. And so, and it's wrong when you try and model it. So sadly, we are out of time for this episode which means that Conrad and I won't be able to have our knockdown drag out fight about asking the question, how did you find us? But I think we should still have a fight between now and our next episode. And what we set up in this episode is basically, we're going to try and market the podcast. We're going to use a bunch of different tactics. I'm not going to tell Guy what we're doing. He's not going to tell me what he's doing, but we're going to track all of this with the UTM codes that we were talking about earlier, see if we can spend some money and who drives the most listeners for the lowest cost. We're going to share all of that with you, the tactics that we used, how we tracked it, the results, and you guys can determine for yourselves who's the best marketer. And with that, thank you again, listeners. Uh, if you just dropped on this podcast episode and you have no idea what it's all about, please do go learn about Lunch Hour Legal Marketing. Uh, subscribe on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcast app. 
And do leave us reviews and feedback. We really want to know what you're thinking. Thanks so much. Until next time, this is Conrad and Gee signing off for Lunch Hour Legal Marketing. Thank you for listening to Lunch Hour Legal Marketing. If you'd like more information about what you heard today, please visit LegalTalkNetwork.com. Subscribe via Apple Podcasts and RSS. Follow Legal Talk Network on Twitter, Facebook, LinkedIn, and Instagram. And or download the free app from Legal Talk Network in Google Play and iTunes. The views expressed by the participants of this program are their own and do not represent the views of, nor are they endorsed by Legal Talk Network, its officers, directors, employees, agents, representatives, shareholders, or subsidiaries. None of the content should be considered legal advice. As always, consult a lawyer. Oh, am I doing that? You're closing. Oh. You're, you're better. <laughs> I still feel somewhat like the guest here. <laughs> <laughs> this is a great outtake. All right, here we go. If you're a lawyer running a solo or small firm and you're looking for other lawyers to talk through issues you're currently facing in your practice, join the Unbillable Hours Community Roundtable, a free virtual event on the third Thursday of every month. Lawyers from all over the country come together and meet with me, lawyer and law firm management consultant Christopher T. Anderson, to discuss best practices on topics such as marketing, client acquisition, hiring and firing, and time management. The conversation is free to join, but requires a simple reservation. The link to RSVP can be found on the Unbillable Hour page at LegalTalkNetwork.com. We'll see you there.